Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, a show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. It's Tuesday. Where are you? What are you doing? You're listening to the Daily Bible Podcast, wherever you are. We're thankful that you're tuning in. Indeed. Keep yep. listening. Yep. Keep listening. Leave a review. Leave a review. Monse, I'm talking to you because you said when I was out there that you needed to leave a review. So now I'm calling you out. You need to leave a review. Other people, leave a review. Go on. Give us a, a rating. Leave a review because it's going to help get this out further than uh, than it is right now. And and we're grateful to be doing it. And uh, if you know anybody in our church here at in, in Compass here in, in North Texas that's not listening, then pinch them and tell them they should. Wow. I mean, violence. text them, don't pitch them, but say, Hey, here's a podcast. You should listen to it. It's good. We hope it's good. We, we pray it's a blessing to you. Um, it's fun for it's us to do good for us. Yeah. It's, it's been great for us. Yeah. Hey, a couple of birthdays. Happy birthday, Barbara Thompson. We're grateful for you and that you're birthday, a part Barbara. of our church. Yes. And, uh, thanks for, for being such a faithful attender and, and a regular part of what we're doing here. And then, uh, Steph Contreras. Contreras. Happy birthday. She is with child. Duo. Two child. Yep. Dose. Double blessing. Dos Bambinos. Yeah. I heard they're called Jacob and Esau. That would be funny. But I don't... Are they, They're girls, though, so that would be not funny. Yep. That's uh, awkward. Yeah. Yeah. There's not even a way... You can't feminize those names. No, you cannot. No. But two. Two for one. Actually, the only thing they're getting two for one on is the womb. That's it. Everything else costs two for two. That's true. Yep. I can attest to that. We should encourage your church to give them many, many gifts. Yes. For Christmas. Yes. Like a shower or something. A shower. Yeah. That's yeah. a good idea. Yeah. Maybe that could take off culturally. Two showers. Yeah. A double baby shower. Yeah. And uh, and get Eddie like a man baby. Man bun? Carrying pack. A thing. man baby? <laughs> what, what, what are the diaper bags? Sorry. It's been so long. A man baby. I don't have diapers anymore. It's a good thing. It's a good thing to be diaper free. But hey, Steph, you guys are going to do great with diapers with two of them. And uh, yeah, eventually they grow out of them and they learn how to, to go to the bathroom and the toilet. But uh, yeah, we're thankful for you guys. Thankful for our church. It's uh, it's fun to uh, to be a part of this uh, this body. You can pray for Pastor Rod and I because we have another marathon of recording podcast going on this week right now. As uh, as you're listening to this, we're recording 12 more episodes. Not uh, today. Well, not not today, but probably four today. Um, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, just a, a lot going on, but it's good. It's all good. Busy season, really busy season. I was talking to Amanda about that this past weekend. Just it's like, go, 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 go for a while now. So that's good. But, uh, it's good busy. Yeah. It's good busy. Micah, Micah, let's talk about Micah. Micah is another prophet and you are starting the book of Micah today with us. If you're tracking along with our Bible reading plan, if you're tracking along with another Bible reading plan, then why are you listening to this? Uh, Hopefully you're tracking with our Bible reading plan. But yeah, Micah uh, was a contemporary of Isaiah. So just to frame everything up there, sometimes we can think as, as the Bible progresses and we get further along in the Bible, it's like, oh, we're progressing in time. Well, not necessarily. Uh, as we've seen already with, with these different prophets, there's times where we jump backwards, jump forwards, jump sideways. So Micah was a contemporary of Isaiah, 750 to 700 BC. In that time frame, he witnessed the fall of the northern kingdom of Israel to Assyria. We were talking about Assyria yesterday in the podcast with Nineveh and, uh, and the Assyrians there. So there's some uh, some correlation with everything going on here just to understand and 
and set up the frame of reference. Uh, Assyria was massive at this time, y'all. The, the ASV Study Bible has a good map of uh, of the, the world at this time when when uh, when Micah was prophesying, and uh, Assyria was was huge, and uh, and they were a big threat. I think we think of Babylon more so because Babylon is the one that took out, well, eventually the Assyrians and took out Jerusalem. But uh, but Assyria itself was was quite threatening, and so he is uh, prophesying during the time that they're on the scene and they're going to come and bring judgment against not just northern Israel, but you got to remember they came and laid siege to Jerusalem as well. And, uh, and during that time, uh, God delivered them from their hands. In fact, if you went and watched that YouTube video that I recommended yesterday from uh, Bible Expedition or Expedition Bible, um, he talks a lot about that, about that siege. And uh, Micah would have witnessed that siege, perhaps even been part of the, uh, the inhabitants of Jerusalem during that time. Prophesied during a time of relative prosperity for the kingdom of Judah, at least during this time. And uh, his name means who is like the Lord, who is like Yahweh. And the book ends that way in chapter 7, verse 18. He asks that question, who is like the Lord our God? Uh, the book is is kind of a, a back and forth between themes of judgment and themes of forgiveness, themes of, of God's wrath and themes of God's future hope and comfort that's coming. And so it's a little bit of a seesaw pattern as you read through it. And we even get that in these opening three chapters that we're reading through together today. Can I just make one note here as you're continuing on, Pastor PJ? One, one of the interesting features about Micah is that he actually seems to have words not only for the southern kingdom, but for north and south. Even though he's a southern prophet, it seems, that's where his homeland is, uh, he has words to say for both the north and the south. And that's something uh, somewhat unique to Micah. It, it's, I found it as I was making my way through the book and... Uh, I, I started learning. Oh, I see some of the patterns here. He talks about to, he talks about to the people of Jacob, and he he uh, he utilizes le- of chapter three. Hear you heads of Jacob, he says, and rulers of the house of Israel, even though he's in the south. Uh, in verse uh, nine, chapter three, he says, "Hear this, you heads of the house of Jacob, and rulers of the house of Israel." So he's got words to say to both people, which makes it interesting. And you also have to do a little more work then as you're reading through it, not to just say, "Oh, he's talking to this people or that people." Make sure you're trying to track clearly which audience he has in mind as he lays this stuff out. Yeah, that's a helpful note, especially as the chapter one opens with both in view as well. If you look in verse five, all this for the transgressions of Jacob and for the sins of the house of Israel. So he's talking about the north initially here in chapter one and the judgment that's coming against them. But look down in verse nine, for her wound is incurable and it has come to Judah and has reached the gate of my people to Jerusalem. So here the prophet is saying the sins of the people of the north have come to the people of the south. The sins of the northern kingdom have crept into the southern kingdom. And And that was true. And that's why judgment was coming. And that's why Isaiah was prophesying and warning the southern kingdom of the judgment that was going to come. That's why Jeremiah the prophet had to, to watch the destruction of Jerusalem eventually as he was prophesying. So uh, Micah is, again, contemporary with Isaiah. And so he's he's saying, look, what's going on up north? He's telling the, the people down south as well, don't bow up and think that we're better. These things are happening here as well. And the judgment that's coming is going to be bad. In verse 10, he says, tell it not in Gath. That's kind of a a colloquial saying that was because Gath means to speak or to tell. And so it's not, it's tell it not in, in tell town, but more importantly, Gath was a, a, an enemy territory. And so Micah, the prophet is saying, we don't want Gath in these enemy territories to hear about what's going on here so that they will rejoice and that they will think that this is a good thing that God is bringing judgment against the, his people, against the people of the North and the people of the South. And so there's that, uh, that charge being given there in chapter one. Notice his response in verses 8 and 9, more specifically verse 8. For this I will lament and wail, the prophet Micah says. I will go stripped and naked. So 
I hope I hope that wasn't a literal uh, a literal exp- expression, but he might have. As a, you know, sometimes that's what prophets do. They do these uh, these sign acts where they walk around and they showcase what kind of judgment is uh, is going to happen to the people that he's talking to. But here, Micah's saying, "Look, I'm going to lament and I'm going to wail about it. This is not good news, and and my my heart will demonstrate that. I'm going to lament like the jackals. I'm going to mourn like the ostriches. I don't know how an ostrich mourns, but I suppose that it's illustrative enough for him to say, "I'm going to do it like that thing." And why? The wound is incurable, and the time has come to Judas. Reach the gate of my people to Jerusalem. So I want you to pay attention to the way that the prophets respond when they deliver the bad news. These guys are not happy slappy about this. They're not saying, hey, just so you know, you're going to be destroyed. Good luck with that. You deserve it. No, they could be indignant, and it probably was a bit of indignation. But the general thrust, and you've read this several times by now, the prophets are not happy about what's happening. You think about back to Jeremiah, the weeping prophet who likely wrote the book of Lamentations, a whole book about his sorrow and his sadness about his people. You should feel a sense of corporate identity with the people in your neighborhood, in your city, in your state, in your nation. And I understand that it's easy for us in the age of anger and in the age of Uh, Twitter, or or formerly Twitter, X, Facebook, all the things, you can find news that is designed to aggravate you and get you really, really angry. Fantastic. Congratulations. They've got your eyeballs. They've got your clicks. But that's not the way of Christianity. That's not the way of the people of God. Our job is not to get so angry that we start bleeding tears, but to get so angry that we're moved to sorrow and sadness, to wail, because this will portend judgment for our people, for our nation. We ought to pray. We ought to lament. We ought to let God move us to tears, men and women. This is not, a, this is not only for women. You know, women are so much more emotional. No, the prophet Micah is a man. He's a man's man, it seems like, and he's willing to go to tears for the sake of his people. Yeah, and and that's so helpful, especially when we look at the headlines and you are moved to that. One of the things that we should pray for is the salvation of some of the people that are the, the source of so much of this depravity. I pray that God would break their hearts and, and save them and, and that he would bring repentance to them. That's going to change policy. That's going to change our landscape more than anything else. So don't pray that, that God would get more people of your political party in office and, and that that's going to be your great hope. Okay, for the next four years, maybe that's your great hope until the pendulum swings again, as it seems to be doing so often in our culture and our world right now. Pray for salvation to come. Pray for revival. Pray for people to get saved. That's where we're going to start to see genuine change and, and the tide to turn is uh, is for people to uh, to bow the knee to Christ. Chapter two, uh, again, time of prosperity, and he's, he's indicting those that are the oppressors, those that are the the ones that have, and those that are the ones that have and then want more, and they're de- devising evil and wicked on their beds, and then they're going out and doing it. They, they're seizing things that aren't theirs, their fields. They're, they're taking all of these things, and, and Micah's saying, do not do this. This is not good. And, and then even beyond that, they're saying, hey, don't, don't preach to us. Don't, don't, don't bring this. Um, don't bring the, the, the word of the Lord. Uh, verse seven, should this be said, O house of Jacob, has the Lord grown impatient? Are these his deeds? Do not my words do good to him who walks uprightly? In other words, if you, you don't need to be afraid of the word of the Lord if you're doing well. If you're not doing well, that's where the problem comes. Rest of, of chapter two, though, it, the, this is where we get one of the, the beginning shifts in the focus because there is an offer of hope. Uh, verse 11, if a man should go about and utter wind and lie, saying, I will preach to you of wine and strong drink, he would be, be a preacher. He would not be the preacher. He would be the preacher, sorry, for this people. Words. But then verse 12, I will surely assemble all of you, O Jacob. So the, the focus is shifting now. He's looking forward to the future restoration, the remnant, the millennial kingdom. He who opens the breach goes up before them. All of these people that are assembled, the king passes on before them, the Lord at their head. This is a, a future offer of hope. This is casting the vision forward to the millennial kingdom when it won't be this way, 
when they won't have these false prophets and these false preachers preaching to them messages that are all itching ears and in and, and, and emptiness, this is going to be the time when, when God will write what is wrong. And so he's calling them to think about that time. Yeah, chapter three, then uh, he goes after the leaders as, he's, as God so often does. Those that are uh, most responsible are those that are leading his people. And so he's going after the kings and he's going after the false prophets. And he is, uh, is saying that, that they're, they're done for and, and they're not going to receive any sort of vision from him. Recently, we talked about a fast of the word of God. That's what's happening here. Uh, verse six, the sun shall go down on the prophets. The day shall be black over them. They're not going to be able to see. They're not going to know. They're going to cover their lips for there shall be no answer from God. This is a scary time in Israel when God is, is turning them over, re- releasing uh, them from his care and turning them over to the nations. And it's not just the north. He says there, therefore, because of you, Zion shall be plowed as a field. Jerusalem shall become as a heap of ruins and the mountain of the house, a wooded height. And so this is going to be complete destruction on the uh, the Lord's capital city there. So one thing to note as you're waking, making your way through the book of Micah, uh, notice the words here, uh, the word here. It's going to be repeated all throughout the book as you make your way through it. Uh, you've heard or you've read it in chapter one, verse two, hear you peoples, all of you. You heard it also in chapter three, twice, uh, chapter three, verse one, hear you heads of Jacob. And you also see it in verse nine, hear this, you heads of the house of Jacob. And then you're going to see it several more times before you finish this book. And one of the things that you should, uh, you should hear what the repetition here is that God likes to repeat phrases for the sake of emphasis. They don't have underline, they don't have italicized, they don't have bold, they have repetition. That was their tool. Sometimes repetition is used for structure. It tells you, okay, here's the the natural breaks between a text. And other times, the repetition is meant for emphasis. Think about Isaiah 6, where he sees God in, in his exalted state, and he hears the angels cry out, holy, holy, holy. It's the only time something about God is repeated three times over, which is to say he's not just holy. He's not just holy, holy. He's holy, holy, holy. It's as great as it possibly can be said. Here, you have here, H-E-A-R. H-E-R-E, you have H-E-A-R, which is to say part of Israel's problem and Judah's is that they don't hear the Lord. They, they, can, they, they can listen to what he's saying, but they're not hearing him. They're not responding in the right way. So you can, it's like one of those things when you're kids, you're calling them, you're telling them to do something, you know they can hear you, but they're not actually responding the way they should. So they're not really hearing the way they should. God is pleading with you and with the people of Israel and Judah to hear him. Even today, as you open up his Bible, you might be reading the words, but you still could be guilty of the same sin of reading what's there, but not really hearing it, not letting it settle into your heart and create a change in your life. All of God's word is meant to do something to you, whether it wants you to think something different, feel something different, or do something different. God's word is meant to provoke some kind of change in your life. So make sure as you read through this that you are not falling prey to the same sin that they fell into, that they weren't hearing him. May you hear as you read. Mm. Revelation chapter 10. Let's do it. Revelation 10. Uh, this is a unique little chapter here. Again, taking a break, an interlude between uh, the, the sixth trumpet and the seventh trumpet, which will come in chapter 11. But chapter 10, uh, you've got this scene where the angel comes down. Another angel comes down. Some people said, is this Jesus? But the word another there implies that this is a, another one like the other ones that he's seen. And so if, if it's like the other one in, in, in essence, in, in character, then this would not be Jesus because this implies another created being. So I think this is another angel, not a, a not Jesus, not the angel of the Lord, but but an angel who is uh, showing up here. And as he comes down, he comes down with a scroll in his hand and the scrolls open and eventually John is going to be told to eat the scroll. Uh, and he says, it was sweet as honey in my mouth, but when I had eaten it, my stomach was made bitter. 
this is a, a, a metaphorical expression where I think John in his vision actually did this, where uh, he is representing the internalization of the word of God, that, that he is internalizing the message so that he will be faithful to proclaim it. And that is what's taking place here as he's eating the scroll. There are some that think this may be the scroll that held the seven seals uh, that he's just referenced, that, that the lamb opened each of the, the seven seals. And there have some that have said that, that this could be that scroll and that that's what he's eating here. But then there's these thunders that he hears. And the thunders are a, a mystery to us still. He hears the thunder and he, he goes to, to write down what he hears. And yet the angel comes to him and says, no, no, you're not going to write these down which is, is fascinating. I read that and I was thinking to myself, man, I, what, what did he hear? What did he hear? I I would have loved to know, to have known what he heard uh, right there in that context. And that's hard, right? Cause what do we do with that? Why, why is that there? And I I think it's an, it's a good reminder that uh, revelation is a, is, is a hard book to understand. There are things in it that we can't explain. This is one of those. Why are there seven thunders that John is not allowed to tell us what they say? I don't know. Why is only John the one to, to hear these things and no one else ever, ever hears what these things are or knows what they say? I don't know. I don't know. There's endless speculation. And, and to a certain extent, we got to be careful about that because if we push too hard on speculation, that's when we get into a danger zone because we're saying things that scripture doesn't say. So who knows what the thunder said, whether it was a declaration of the actual time when all this was going to take place or whatever. We don't know. It's there, though, and it's part of the, the, the magnificent scene that John is beholding. It's a reminder that God is big and that this is, this is a, a huge, huge scene that he's beholding. And trying, John is trying to, to explain it to us the best that he possibly can. So John's eating of the scroll kind of reminds me of Ezekiel 3, which I'm sure some of you thought about this. We read it not too long ago, Ezekiel 3. Uh, and he said to me, son of man, eat whatever you find here. Eat the scroll and go speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth and he gave me the scroll to eat. And he said to me, son of man, feed your belly with this scroll that I give you and fill your stomach with it. Then I ate it and it was in my mouth as sweet as honey. So you have this very similar kind of response here. This is not the first time you've seen this illustration or this analogy, but I, uh, the idea of what Pastor PJ brought here, it's the internalization. But in, in his case, it's as sweet as honey, but it, it doesn't portend good. It's going to result in something difficult. It's going to result in further judgment. And why God doesn't reveal it to us, perhaps it's for our own good. It's like when your kids ask you something and they ask a question that's beyond their their pay grade, beyond their knowledge, beyond their ability to understand or comprehend. And so as a parent, you might decide, you know what, you're not ready for that. No matter how mature you are, you're just not ready for that yet. You might be six years old, seven, 12, 13. You'll find out in due time. I think here God is saying, look, I'm going to reveal something to you, John, as a privileged position, and it's going to be amazing for you to ingest, but it's going to be bitter. It's not going to be good. And I think maybe some of you guys know what this is like reading your Bible. You, you've read your Bible and some of the words that you find, I mean, I, I love the word of God. It is as sweet as honey, but there are times when I read it, I'm like, Lord, this is hard. Yep. I love it and I shudder at it. This is John's experience. And, and sometimes we need to be okay with the fact that you're going to read a lot in scripture. That's going to be bitter. Mm. It's going to be sweet because it's God's word and we long for that. We want that. But we're not going to love everything that we ingest of God's word. It's going to be heavy. It's going to be like ballast in a ship. It's going to keep us steady when the torrential waters toss us and turn us, but it'll keep us stable. It'll keep us from capsizing. We need those things. So as you read this, uh, the mystery of whatever John sees and hears, well, we don't know. We'll find out at some point, I I suspect. But as you read the word of God, and it's as sweet as honey, but also bitter, know that you're not the first person to go through that. This is good. It is. 
It's good to be in the Word. It's good to be in the Daily Bible Podcast. And we will join you again tomorrow for another episode. So tune in. And uh, in the meantime, uh, leave a review, leave a rating, invite somebody to come to church. Do all those things. Please. Thank you. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org. And we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Thank you.